Hello and welcome back to another episode of Making It. My name is Mirabelle, I'm your host, and on today's episode we have Becky from Becky and Chris. They are a YouTube channel where they do all things photography, video, they do vlogs, they do home renovations, they fly helicopters, and it's just... It's amazing. There's there's so much stuff on there. And actually, because there's so much stuff, I had asked in the podcast about the idea of niching down, having a niche for your YouTube channel and whether that's kind of whether that's beneficial or not. And we also talk about their helicopter series, Cold Island and Heading East. They're like proper films. These are two documentary series of them flying their helicopter. Cold Island is one where they fly from Buffalo, New York back to their hometown of Newfoundland. By the way, Canada gang, let's go. And um, the other one is where they fly around the east coast of the states. And both of these show a lot of the logistics and planning that goes behind these trips, helicopter trips. And it shows so many of the beautiful landscapes of, of Canada and of the states. And it's just, it's a work of art. It's amazing. And if you want, you can go binge that on their YouTube channels right now. You can like take a pause on this episode just before you even listen to this podcast go watch go watch the docu-series it's beautiful and speaking of helicopters becky has actually been very outspoken about how she has flying anxiety and so i got it's very interesting to see how that works how how you can have flying anxiety and also have so much helicopter content on your channel so we get into that and you know talk about anxiety in general as well and some kind of tips on how at least how becky deals with that sort of thing and it was really interesting a lot of insights to that we also talk about some work from home hacks uh her at home coffee shop and then and some other stuff so hopefully that's beneficial to some of you it was a really fun chat we bonded over our lack of mathematical skills and our love of architecture and just all things with good aesthetics and yeah if you want to check out becky and chris which i did not mention but basically becky's a graphic designer by trade and chris is an interventional radiologist so like what an interesting couple <laughs> if you want to check out becky and chris the links to all of their stuff is where the links are. They actually have their own podcast called Tuxedo Time, where they wear tuxedos, which means they wear sweatpants, hoodies, and they just they just chat with each other about a bunch of different kind of topics, about their YouTube channel, about questions people always have for them, and it's a, it's a good time. As always, if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can join my Patreon, where you can leave questions for the guests. I also posted a bunch of music stuff on there, and... Yeah, and if you want to see our faces during this conversation, there's a video version of the podcast on YouTube, and if you want to just listen to audio, then, you know, it's available on all streaming platforms, and I think that's pretty much it. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Becky. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. Nice to meet you again. Yeah, uh, we met too. in Toronto uh, a couple of years ago at Buffer Festival. Yeah, 2019. We ran into each other. That was so long ago. <laughs> no, it seems like, yeah, it really was. That like oh. two, two and a half, wait, math. So, yeah, two years ago. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. I remember asking if you were going to do, if you were going to do a film at Buffer, like the year after. Yeah. And you had said that you wanted to, but then obviously, you know, 
the world shut down. Yes. Yeah, I know. I still want to do that at some point. Maybe maybe when things go back to normal, I'll uh, attempt something. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Should we start a little bit from the beginning? Just like a brief history of your YouTube channel, your you and Chris you just are Becky and Chris. Becky and Chris is just one person. It's, it's just, just you. <laughs> yeah, we've just morphed into like one person at this point. We're like, we wear the same clothes. <laughs> we share all the things. So yeah, we're basically just one person now. Yeah, I can give you a little history about our channel. So let's see. Hmm. I haven't spoken to anybody all day, so I'm feeling a little bit <laughs> rusty on my, my uh, the same though. mouth moves. But um, it's okay. yeah, so... I'm from St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada, which is like an island off the East Coast. And uh, in 2016, my husband, Chris, and I, we have a YouTube channel together. We moved from St. John's to Vancouver for one year for him to do a year of fellowship, which was his final year of training in school. And when we moved, I had to kind of leave all my clients behind because I kind of had to be on the ground to, to work with them. So when I left... I thought that it would be a perfect opportunity to start a YouTube channel. So um, just started documenting our year, documenting our travels. And then, you know, life kind of happened. We ended up moving to Buffalo, New York, and the channel just kept on going. And we just kind of make videos about our life uh, with like kind of a, I guess, like a base niche in the photo video world. But our channel is definitely kind of all over the place. Nicheless, we will say. Yeah. Why did you guys start YouTube making YouTube videos? Well, that's a that's a good question. Uh, I had always kind of wanted to make a travel series. I was really mm -hmm. obsessed with the Canadian um, travel series departures and never really had the opportunity to do anything like that. I shot a bit of commercial video um, during my freelance days. And when we were moving, I was like, well, this is like A, the perfect opportunity to try to do this. Um, previously, we had gone on a couple of trips and just like filmed a couple of things on our, our phones. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like when it comes to running gun travel stuff, like it's kind of awkward. So I was like, all right, this is a perfect opportunity to just like try it and we'll do it through YouTube. And then it will be kind of a good way to kind of keep track of our life, but then also like let mom and dad kind of know we're okay up in Vancouver just to post weekly. And so that's kind of like why we started and then it just kind of snowballed the the vision I guess morphed into whatever it is now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a lot of different stuff on your channel now yeah <laughs> there's like a whole like helicopter series and then like d video photo tutorials and also home decor stuff yeah it's a lot of different things I was gonna ask if like what you thought about the idea of having a niche, niching mm -hmm. down for YouTube channels or whatever, like your own brand. Um, but like, yeah, you guys seem to, I don't know, it feels like you said nicheless, but also it still feels like it's kind of all cohesive in a way somehow. <laughs> yeah. it's So it's funny that you say that because like we, like a lot of people when they niche down, they, it's like just a tech channel or just a photography channel. And we kind of say we make videos in three pillars. So home, so home decor, renovations, DIY projects, uh, visuals, which would be like photography, video, graphic design, anything that's like visually done. <laughs> um, that's kind of fits in that category. And then travel, which would be like helicopter stuff and more uh, kind of like travel vlogs is what it started as and kind of morphed into the helicopter series. So everything that we make on the channel kind of fit into three of those categories, which are very broad categories. 
Um, mm -hmm. But we try to keep it consistent with like the colors that we're using in our videos and how they're color graded and edited and the titles and things like that. So, the, you know, without having a niche, we, we try to maintain some consistency with the styling of everything. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, did you just kind of always have that sort of, like your brand is very much like the colors and everything. It's very much like dark tones and it's moody and it's very aesthetically pleasing. Thank <laughs> um, you. But like, was that always something that it's just, you've already known that or was that something that, that you came to like the more that you did your YouTube stuff? Yeah, it, it kind of morphed. So I went to school for graphic design back in 2007. So I kind of have that background in like being obsessed with the branding and the graphic design stuff. And then I had a marketing company, basically like a micro marketing agency for about six years. And the branding for that was actually very colorful. Like our walls were painted this like mint green. There was like red there and gray. So it was very like poppy and colorful. And a lot of the work that I was doing at the time was um, lit with like a lot of different flashes and was very poppy and colorful. And it kind of morphed over time. Like even when we bought our first house in 2011 and started blogging, our house like when we started, we were like, we didn't really know what our style was. We knew we kind of liked modern stuff, but we were like, oh, well, color. We like to have, we enjoy color. So we started putting color in the house, like blues and greens and yellows. And we we're like, oh, like something about this doesn't quite feel right. So it was over time we were like, oh, maybe we actually don't really like having color in the house. We kind of just like it to be neutral and maybe we appreciate color and like color, but maybe it's not for our own kind of house or, or sets or branding or whatever. So it kind of morphed over time. This <laughs> is a long way mm -hmm. of saying it kind of, kind of happened over time. Well, it works. It fits. It's great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy where it's ended up. It's funny. Cause like, you know, I'm sitting here looking at this Navy blue couch that, you know, I love that couch so much, by the way. <laughs> thank you. I do too. Actually, even though it's like a color, I still love it. I still think it looks neutral, but that couch kind of came into our lives at this point in time where we were kind of like trying to figure out what our style was. So we're like, mm. oh, we'll get a Navy couch. That will be fun. We'll do a full colorful like apartment when we lived in Vancouver. We had like a green bed and stuff. And then we're like, oh no, because yeah. <laughs> we thought we were moving back to St. John's. And so we moved to Buffalo and we're like, oh no, like we don't, I don't know if I love the color, but the Navy, the Navy works with the black and the neutrals, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And that Navy couch that you're talking about can be seen on your podcast, right? Yeah. Tuxedo time. That's right. Yeah. It's in our podcast set. Um, yeah. Tuxedo time. <laughs> where, where you wear tuxedos and it is time. Podcast edition. <laughs> yeah. I should be wearing my tuxedo today for your podcast. We but should I'm just go change. I should. Just go. Yeah. I'm, just one sec. I'm just going to go put my sweatpants. I am wearing socks that say poop on them, so... That's a little bit of a tuxedo there. <laughs> Perfect. Um, one of the questions that uh, my patients had was stuff that you buy. And I feel like you guys have a lot of, you guys, you talked about shopping your own house for, for all of the sets that you built. I guess, I think there are like two. Okay. Well, okay. One is like gear and one is kind of just investments or purchases mm -hmm. in general. So Daniel asked, how much gear have you accumulated that you never used and what are they? Um, and then DJ asked, what are your most important, best or favorite investments or purchases that you made over the over the couple of years or your least favorite? Okay. So that's kind of like a couple different questions. Okay. So gear related. Um, we've definitely <laughs> accumulated way too much gear over the last 
number of years. Uh, we've been kind of making videos and shooting photos for like 17 years, uh, but doing YouTube for like six. So yeah, we've definitely accumulated a lot of stuff. Some of it much older than other stuff. Um, the things that I have around that I don't use right now, uh, probably I'll, I still have a, a small collection of Canon lenses from when I switched from Sony to Canon. Um, I made that switch in 2019, then the pandemic hit. And then I was like, I'll, I'll sell my glass. And then I just like, didn't like, I sold <laughs> some of it, but like, I still have a couple of pieces that are just kind of sitting there. So I need to like get off my ass and sell and sell those. <laughs> so those are probably like the ones that are sitting around that aren't getting used. Um, but, hmm. And then there's like a, a couple of like older lights and accessories and things that kind of like get pulled out every now and then when we're doing a project where we like need something more than what we have but you know some stuff kind of tends to to sit around um that was the first part what was the second part of the question the other one was uh from dj what are like the most important best or favorite investments or purchases that you guys have made okay in in like a gear gear scenario i don't or think it has to be gear maybe like anything really anything <laughs> hmm, okay uh shit well for, from a gear perspective I'll, I'll say this, the Sony a7S III is probably my most favorite, best thing that I feel like we've invested in because it's hands down the best camera we've ever used, easiest to use, best results. Um, so that would probably be the first one. Uh, the second one I think would, <laughs> this is going to be real stupid, but we invested in a, in a good quality couch. Well, I mean, the, the couch down here is also a good quality couch, the, the Navy one we were talking about, but it's like tiny. It's made for an apartment. So when we moved into our new house, we, we got like this massive couch and it's the best. It's the best thing because <laughs> I spent yeah. a lot of time sitting on the couch. So I think having a good couch in your space is, uh, is key for ultimate lounge mode. I'm sure nice. I'll think of a better answer in like two hours and I'll be like, oh shit, I should have said <laughs> this other thing that's better than a couch. You can message me if, okay. if that comes up. You can dub it in. <laughs> if anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about the helicopter? Do you oh, mean yeah. that's a that's a good investment? <laughs> that's a big depreciating asset. <laughs> but it's yeah, the True. helicopter's been fun. Like that's been a cool addition to our YouTube channel, which was kind of unexpected. It happened a lot quicker than we thought it would. Um mm -hmm. it definitely it's not the best investment in terms of cost, but it's definitely fun. And Chris is very passionate about it. So it's like, he's obsessed with it. So I think yeah. for his happiness, I think that's a good one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for his happiness, which plays into yours. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, for the helicopter, like you guys have done two helicopter series now, mm -hmm. uh, heading east and cold island which do you want to talk about what those are a little bit? For sure. Yeah. So Cold Island was our first helicopter series where we flew um, our helicopter, which we call the Millennial Falcon from Buffalo, New York to uh, our home province of Newfoundland, Canada. Um, that was a 40 hour round trip. It took a lot of effort and it was very stressful and scary to, to fly. Well, Chris wasn't scared. I, I was. Um, <laughs> and we used the opportunity, well, first of all, that was kind of like a bucket list trip for us to to fly in Newfoundland, to fly in the island that we grew up on. And so to get up there was pretty cool, but we thought it would be a great opportunity to try to do this travel series that we, we wanted to do when we started our YouTube channel, which we didn't, I mean, when you're starting video and you're trying to figure out what, how to edit and how to make vlogs, it's a bit weird. So, you know, a few years later, we wanted to try something a little bit more polished. So- 
we thought that would be the perfect opportunity to uh, try our hand at a series. And the name Cold Island actually came from a business that Chris and I were going to start before we moved to Vancouver in 2015. Um, we were going to start a men's shoe company and it was going to be called Cold Island. And oh. it didn't really work out. And then we sat on the name because we loved it. And then when this kind of trip came around, we were like, oh my God, this is like the perfect opportunity to, to pull that name out. So uh, flew to Newfoundland. It took, we took two weeks to do the trip. We made a six docu-series episodic like travel thing for our YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, that was kind of like our first, our first one. And it kind of documented the trials and tribulations of getting to the island, how difficult it was to get up there, uh, flying through kind of remote areas and some of the struggles that we had, but then also interviewing some people from the province and just trying to get a feel of place from that. And then also kind of like more, you know, following us around as we explored um, our province via um, helicopter. And then the second one heading east was kind of born out of, you know, the pandemic and kind of being at home and, you know, it was this sweet spot right between uh, when things kind of started to like get a little bit better where people were vaccinated and Delta wasn't around. So we were like, oh, this might be a good opportunity for us to, to try something. So uh, we decided to do another one. Um, this time we wanted to fully brand it out. We wanted to make it a little bit more uh, lighthearted and funner where Cold Island was a bit more kind of serious, I feel like. Um, so we flew to uh, Vermont, Maine and New Hampshire um, and we did a five part series and, uh, it was more about aviation and the places that we were visiting versus us trying to get to, to where we were from. So that's probably a ter terrible explanation of what these are, but, um, that's great. Yeah, it was, it's a, it was a fun way for us to kind of try our hand at, you know, filmmaking in, in a different way and being under pressure and, and doing the trip and dealing with all of these trials and tribulations of, uh, flying with the weather and stuff and then trying to like make a, vi a cohesive video with a story on top of it. So it was a fun challenge. Definitely needed that one after, after 2020. <laughs> I really liked, um, well, I like how you guys go into detail about all the planning that it takes to do these trips and how, like, how it's not so simple, like how you can't book places to stay in advance and stuff like that because mm -hmm. you never know about the weather the weather <laughs> yeah yeah stuff like that um but also you've been very outspoken about how terrible you feel when flying <laughs> <laughs> and you've done so many of these these series and you have helescapes and all that and like how do you deal with how do you deal with flying anxiety <laughs> oh man it's been a, pro a process for sure yeah i I struggle with pretty severe like motion sickness and then anxiety when it comes to flying. So I think like exposure therapies definitely helps. Like it's, it's funny cause you know, looking at cold Island, when we started that trip the first day I was super motion sick and I was super nervous going into it. And as time went on, the whole trip ended up being about 40 hours of flight time. So by the end of that, I was super comfortable. I was almost more comfortable flying than I was in the car driving, but then when we came back and, you know, a month or two months went by where we weren't flying it, I kind of, you know, <laughs> regressed back to my nervous state. But um, I've been actually going to therapy uh, because I kind of realized that like my anxieties related to flying 
um, and also other things too. They all kind of like stem from one another. So I've been mm-hmm. kind of working through that in therapy and it actually has been helping. I, I kind of realized that a lot of my motion sickness actually stems from uh, being anxious, which kind of was a blew my mind a little oh. bit. So that's been able to, <laughs> knowing that I've been able to kind of work through it a little bit better, but uh, yeah, pushing myself to do it definitely helps. Like the more I do it, the easier it becomes, but it's still scary when there's turbulence and you feel like you're going to fall out of the sky. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any tips that you've learned from therapy about dealing with anxiety? Yeah. I think that recognizing that the feelings that you have are, are feelings that it's not this like reality that's kind of happening. Uh, for instance, like in the helicopter, a lot of times, like my brain will start going to like worst case scenario. And, um, so I'm trying to like, you know, train my brain to reel it back and and be more rational. So trying to, to have a more rational thought process versus letting myself go to worst case scenario. So that's kind of something that I picked up, um, realizing that a lot of the things that I'm feeling are just feelings and not reality. I have a whole notebook of like things, <laughs> things uh, that I've, I'm, you know, notes and of things that I've trying to put in place, but you almost forget, you know, it's like a work in progress. You, you learn something in therapy and you're like, Oh, this is really cool. I'm going to try this when I go flying again. And then we go up and it's like, okay, that worked. But now there's this new thing that kind of popped up mm. where, how do I deal with that? So it's like trying to think about negative things or things that could happen and try to spin them in a more positive light and thinking of, like, okay, we're thinking about worst case scenario, but what's best case scenario? Let's focus on best case scenario. And that's mm-hmm. kind of helped a little bit. That's awesome. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. No worries. <laughs> for uh, for heading east and cold island, I realized that when you were posting about heading east before the series actually came out on YouTube, you were doing like your Instagram stories where you just editing all day, all night. And you're talking about heading east coming out on whatever day it came out on. But like, were you still editing up until that day? Yes, pretty much. (laughs) Cold Island, for sure. Like when when I put that one up, it was like the first episode went up and I was still working on three, four and five. Heading east, I think I had two, uh, one, two and three, three and a half done. I tried to get it to the point where it was like, where I knew that if I publish it, I would have enough time to finish it. But yeah, it definitely was not finished when the first episode went up, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> kind of scary and, and creates this interesting um, hustle work thing that happens for like a couple of weeks where you're like, oh my God, I don't have enough time. So I have to get up at six o'clock in the morning and work all night till like 1030, which I don't like doing. I like to have a good oh like work-life balance. You know, like I try to work, yeah. you know, a normal, relatively normal, like hourly thing and then try to take my evenings and weekends off but during the series it was three months of crazy (laughs) that's a lot of work (laughs) yeah it was it was a lot I probably could have taken like another month or two to like do it and not have like gotten into this really weird work scenario but sometimes it's just better to like push through and get it done and get it out there and then rest yeah (laughs) Do you do that for like most of your projects where you kind of set a deadline for yourself and then and then do that? Yeah, I try to. The bigger projects, definitely, uh, especially when there's sponsors involved to like set mm-hmm. a deadline and and make sure that the expectations are set with them and hit it. So that kind of makes the work, the work side of it a little bit crazier. When I don't set a schedule or, or a deadline, I tend to procrastinate real bad. And then suddenly it's been like 
way too long and almost the video <laughs> becomes irrelevant <laughs> or yeah. I had the reshoot part of it because I, I, I waited so long. So something I've learned over the last couple of years is to uh, set my own deadlines and then just, you know, have them pretty firm. Mm-hmm. It helps when you yeah. work from home. <laughs> yeah, I realized that for this podcast, um, because the first episode dropped today, but the first episode was recorded back in October. <laughs> so like, it's been it's been a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I too am like afraid that things are going to be irrelevant. Like if we talk about projects that people have released, like that happened so long ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's tough. I think I think mostly just like, I try to just push it out anyway. And if there's something I have to tweak or take out, but the other side of it is like recording ahead of time and bulk recording makes it a lot more manageable as well. Having them in the Mm -hmm. bank to be able to roll out over time instead of like, okay, I got to do it every two weeks. And you're like, oh my God, I don't have a podcast. I got to figure it out like today because I got to go up tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So speaking of uh, sponsorships and such, do you, when you guys started out, did you kind of or I guess you still do reach out for sponsors, like you said, for Heading East, that you guys talked about that. But how often do you reach out versus other people reaching out to you? Hmm. It's a bit of a, a mix, to be honest. Um, some of the more traditional partnerships, dedicated videos and integrations that we do with brands um, go through our, our manager space station. And so they'll come to us and say, you know, we have this, you know, company who wants to work with you. And then if it's a good fit, then we'll, you know, move forward with it if, if it, if it all works out. And then there's other stuff where like the more special projects like Heading East, um, those ones are a little bit more difficult to get sponsors for because they're more conceptual and not so, you know, it's not like, oh, we're doing a tutorial about this thing. It's like, okay, we're going to document this like trip and we might not make it to where we're going because of the weather. <laughs> so we don't really know like exactly what the video is going to be. So the brand has to have some kind of level of, of trust and uh, see the vision. So for those projects, we, we reach out and um, so, yeah, it's probably, it's probably about 50, 50 of, you know, the, the, of space station kind of helping us with sponsorships and then us managing them as well. Cool. By the way, uh, you guys talked about Milanote for your sponsoring heading East oh. and I started using that for these podcasts the and my best. notes and everything. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you like it. I, it's, it's the only app that great. I love. I, I, I use, sorry. I love it so much. <laughs> I was so stoked when they came, I actually reached out to them for that, uh, because I used it for, I've been using it for years and I'm so obsessed with it. I was like, please, please work with us on this. And they were like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. And I was like, perfect. It's so good. Oh, I love it so much. It's, it's like, also just very satisfying to like zoom out and see all of the notes and everything so organized. Yes. It, and it's also like, it it's feels great. really good to like sit down to and just when you're not like not feeling like editing or like making something to sit down and like put together something that looks like visually pleasing and it's like you're actually working and it's organized and then like in two days you can come back and be like oh I did all this work and it looks so good it's all color coordinated and (laughs) so yeah I love organization it's so good so um you've been working from home I mean as your job is you kind of don't really need to go out anywhere and you talked about you've talked about like creating your little at-home coffee shop yeah (laughs) what other hacks do you have for working at home (laughs) oh that's that's my best one I actually there's two hacks that I use all the time at home coffee shop is is my my favorite it's the one that works the most so 
for those of you listening, um, what that is, is basically I will take my laptop and move away from my office, pick like a corner that I'm feeling in the house. So like in, in next to the window, dining room table, and I'll make like whatever hot beverage I'm feeling, like whether it's coffee or hot chocolate or tea or whatever, sit it on the table. I get my like chill hot playlist music up on the TV or, or on the laptop or whatever playing, got my candle lit. And I just like set a timer for like an hour and I just like work and that creating that whole like productive and fun, like exciting environment, a helps like start the process and you feel like you're like, okay, I'm smelling the candle. I got my beverage. There's no excuse now. I have to sit here and, and do the work. But then the timer, the one hour tower is like, okay, I'm going to start the, start the thing, start the work process and, you know, do it for an hour. And then after an hour, we'll see if I feel like continuing or if the day is a write off and I'm going to go spend the rest of the day on the couch. And I would say 90% of the time after that hour timer goes off, I'm like, all right, wicked. I'm ready to like either keep going or like go back to the, the office and edit more. But usually those like at home coffee shop times, I'll be like, I pull up Milanote. That's like a great excuse <laughs> to like use Milanote and like start organizing projects or planning stuff or writing scripts. And then the other hack is just like timed work blocks or like chunking down on stuff. It's kind of two things that those are kind of two different things. So timed work blocks being like, you can't, you don't really feel like working. Let's set a timer for 15 minutes or 30 minutes. And we're just going to try to do one task in that time period and then see, take a break and, and see how we feel after that. And then the chunking down is, okay, here's my gigantic to-do list. And I don't really feel like doing it. What's like, what, like, how can we like cut that down into like eighth pieces and like just kind of set two or three of those things for the day to do. And uh, that's one that helps when you're really not feeling like doing any work. And if none of mm -hmm. those things work, I just go to the couch and watch TV <laughs> right <laughs> off. Yeah. Sometimes that that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. got to listen to your body because sometimes it's like you can pull out all, all the stops to try to get yourself to work. And if you're not feeling it, you're mm -hmm. not feeling it. And in the creative world, I'm sure you feel like this too, but you know, you can't force yourself. You can't force creativity on yourself. So mm -hmm. sometimes you do need that little break with your brain, whether it's just to sit on the couch and watch YouTube all day or like go for a walk or go to Target or like whatever, and just, you know, look around or get a coffee outside or something like that. It, it's good to recognize the break. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think one of the other hacks for me is putting on real pants. <laughs> oh my God, that is such a game changer. Right. Real pants. <laughs> and like, if you have a pair of indoor shoes, mm. it actually makes- I have not tried that yet. Oh man. <laughs> putting on like real shoes. I have a weird thing about like bacteria and like dirty shoes inside, but I'll have like, you know, I'll either clean them or, or just wear like shoes just for inside. And it makes such a difference. It's like the real pants with the shoes. You feel like you're going to the, like an office. Man, yeah. it works so good. I'm wearing real pants today just for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, same. That's the only reason I, I changed today. This podcast is basically the only reason I changed today. Amazing. Same, actually. That's the only reason why I put yeah. on real clothes today. Oh, man. I brushed my hair, too. First time in a couple of days. Oh, my goodness. Do you find that it's hard to like separate your work life from from life 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 <laughs> normal life yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah it's tough when you work from home you have the almost set mm -hmm. like boundaries right because like the office is right there it's so easy to just keep working and I do fall into the trap sometimes where I'm like oh I'm having a productive day I'm just going to keep going and then suddenly <laughs> it's 10 and I'm like okay 
I go to bed and then there's no break between like work and bed. And then I wake up the next morning and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I work till 10. So I can just like do nothing for the rest of the day. And then I kind of screw up my whole schedule. But yeah, right. there's definitely like, def- it's definitely hard to like not, especially having a joint channel because Chris works full time outside the house. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, like if he needs to be in a podcast or in a video, we have to record at night or, you know, if I need him for something, it's like, oh, okay now you're after work you got to come home and we got to do this work and so it's yeah it's a balance and then like reading him to see if he's feeling like he wants to record or if he's too tired after work so yeah there's boundaries that definitely have to be set Mm -hmm. do you do all all of the editing and everything basically yeah I do it all Chris just like shows up yeah every now and then (laughs) exactly exactly he just shows up he's like hey what do I have to say what do I have to do and then he like flies a helicopter and flies the drones. And then nice. that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. But it's perfect. It works out really well. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how, how it goes. Um, how do you guys, how do you come up with content? How do you come up with ideas for stuff to, stuff to shoot? Um, I usually, you know, we'll either have a little brainstorm session or like somebody might ask a question on the channel. I'm like, Ooh, that's like a really good idea. And then like a couple of other ideas will pop from that. But I've got kind of like an ongoing list of I like video ideas in my phone that I want to make, or, you know, we just finished the studio. So I was like, okay, we're going to do studio tour. How many other videos can I make revolving around the studio that I can kind of bulk film with Chris that might do well, but that I'm actually going to enjoy making. And so I'll just write them all in my notes. Um, and with the podcast, it's a little more challenging because the podcast is kind of like our channel all over the place, but even more so because now it's like 30 minutes of all over the place instead of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if usually it's like, Oh, if Chris and I are having a conversation about something like, Oh, that will be interesting. Save it for the podcast. And I'll like write it on my phone and then we'll just record on it. Um, nice. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you have to kind of keep up with certain trends or anything of YouTube videos, YouTube trends? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Not so much like, video topic trends, but definitely feel like trying to keep up with, you know, TikTok and short form videos and reels and things like that. That's a little bit of a struggle when you want to like make more long form series, but the world is going towards short form reels. It's, yeah, you, you know, How like, do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, you know, ah, it's funny. Like I just, I don't really have an interest in, in making short form videos, but I almost feel the pressure to do it. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out how I can do it so that I, I'm enjoying doing it um, without kind of falling behind on the times. I'm still going to do long form because I I don't know. I guess like everything's kind of moving short form and I just want to do longer and longer and, you know. Just go the opposite way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's tough. I think some people are doing a really awesome job of, of the short form stuff, but I don't actually watch a lot of reels or to, probably because I'm old. <laughs> I'm like, I feel oh. that though. I can't. Yeah. I've mentioned this so many times. Like, I don't know how to get into TikTok, making yeah. TikToks, and also just like, I just can't. I can't. Yeah. I don't even know, like, A, I don't know what to make. And B, when I'm on the app, I'm just like scrolling. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh my God, what did I even look at for 20 mm-hmm. minutes? Like, I'd rather watch a 20 minute video and like feel inspired or like get something out of it versus just like <laughs> the constant scroll yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. The only TikTok that I've kind of gotten sucked into is this one guy who um, he like pretends to be each Canadian province (laughs) and it's like all the stereotypes. Yeah, I think I've seen him before. Yeah. (laughs) He does Ontario a lot, right? He does like all of them as roommates. 
Oh, okay. Maybe this is a different person. I'll have to, okay. I'll have to go. You'll have to send know, me maybe, a Maybe he's done that too. Yeah. But <sighs> yeah, it's like all of all of them as roommates. And then when he does Newfoundland, he's just like, he can't even understand what they're saying. <laughs> and Labrador has to trans- translate it. Oh my God. That's amazing. amazing. That's incredible. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. That's so good. I found like one TikTok. It was like some guy whose dad was some like some type of chef that is like a high-end chef that you know makes really special stuff and he'll give his dad like a pack of like ramen noodles or like chick-fil-a and like he has to make it fancy yeah and it's (laughs) crazy and like the stuff that he does he'll like blend up the french fries and like make something insane out of just like you know a chicken nugget and waffle fries kind of thing that that one i was just like oh i got sucked into that for a little bit bit of time and i was like this is pretty good (laughs) It's so good. I think I saw the one with like, he turned a Domino's pizza into some super fancy food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might have been the first one I saw. I was like, this dude is taking a pizza and making it into something. And then it went down the the rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah. So you were talking about like building your uh, home studio and you guys just kind of finished that. That took, that took two years. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it did. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm embarrassed to say, yeah, it took two two years. <laughs> yeah, but you built like so many sets in your basement, which is so large, such a spacious place. Yeah, I feel I feel very thankful to have have this the amount of space that we have down here coming from you know living in three three hundred and fifty square feet in Vancouver and filming in our living room to like living in an apartment here in Buffalo, and we didn't have any space really it was like a bedroom so now Mm -hmm. to have a basement to dedicate to it is i feel very lucky and and grateful to have it but yeah it took a long time because there's a lot of diy projects and also i'm lazy so i lose (laughs) steam a lot on things (laughs) so yeah it's it's it came together i think you we we started off with this like empty space and then as we were kind of painting we noticed like some evidence of mice and then realized that the previous owners had had this mouse infestation that we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And so like we had to call the pest company and they had to come in and like bait everybody. And then we had to call a professional cleaning company to come and like get rid of all the, you know, old dead mice and their feces and shit. So it was, it was pretty disgusting. (laughs) And then I was afraid to come down here for a little bit of time because of that, (laughs) even though it was all Mm -hmm. cleaned up. Um, but yeah, so it, it was, yeah, definitely a progress just like looking around at all of the things i'm like that took a couple months (laughs) that one we put (laughs) off for two years (laughs) oh my goodness yeah i feel like i feel like you're a really persistent person though even though you know you're lazy whatever yeah (laughs) apparently (laughs) but like i feel like you're really persistent because i mean you didn't you guys finished the studio even though it's taken that long and like you've Am I right in saying that you've you've built a set for like one video and like a set that took hours to make? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we built out a set for heading east just for like a couple of seconds of map uh <laughs> map visuals and then just kind of went ham on it and took like an entire day to light it and filmed a couple of videos and then tore it down. So <laughs> yeah, I guess like when we have when we have an idea, we usually like go through with it. And if there's a time crunch like we were talking about earlier, it's a lot easier to kind of pull it together. With the studio, mm-hmm. there wasn't really. We we're like, oh, we should do this at some point, and then just <laughs> didn't. But yeah, when there's a deadline, it definitely helps. Um, I think we forget a lot of times. Like we think that. 
we can turn around a room pretty quickly, but when it, when it actually comes down to it, like God, DIY projects take so long. And when you're only doing them on the weekend, it's like, you only have, you know, eight, eight to 12 hours a day or for two days a week to like, you know, finish an entire slat wall build or like build sound mm -hmm. panels or whatever. It's like, it, it does take a bit of time and then, you know, life happens as well. So yeah. Yeah. Aside from the like home renovation stuff, building sets, you guys have started uh, like a home decor line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have released some matches, like a matchbox and, and some wall hooks. What are you guys planning next? <laughs> well, um, we have a couple of things. I have like a dream list of products that I want to make. Um, we have exclusive for just this. Nobody knows about this yet, but we have <laughs> mugs in the work, like coffee cool. mugs, like little eight ounce oh. coffee mugs. Um, They've actually shown up in a couple of our videos, but we've never really said anything about them. They've just been kind of there. Mm -hmm. So that's one that we're nice. working on now. Um, let's see. Nothing else is really like we're still kind of in the very early stages of some of the other pieces that we're working on. So we're not 100% sure if they're going to work out. There's a candle, some type of candle product for sure, Ooh. which will be fun if that works out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of been a dream of ours to have like a home decor line ever since we started our blog back in 2011 when we bought our first house and started renovating it and that was kind of like our thing before we we started our youtube channel was our home decor renovation blog and it was starting to gain a little bit of traction and then we kind of dropped it when we moved to vancouver because we didn't have any home projects um mm -hmm. so it's fun to be able to kind of bring that passion back around and now like have a line of stuff my dream is to have my own like paint line with Benjamin Moore but I don't think that will ever happen but that's like that would be like a, the ultimate goal what would you call that color oh gosh I don't know <laughs> I'd probably base it around like inspiration from from Newfoundland I'd say mm. but I'd love to do like a like a white a couple of grays a black and like maybe like a navy and maybe a green that'd be fun That'd be amazing. One of these days. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> a girl can dream. Yes. I hope it comes true. Me too. That'd be amazing. So good. Every time every time I see Benjamin Moore now, I just think, great, by Benjamin Moore. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've said it so many times in all of your videos. Yeah. I know. It's so funny. Yeah. People are like, what is that gray? And I'm like, it's called gray. <laughs> I don't know how I end up choosing like the colors that are just called like gray or like the black I use is just black. <laughs> Nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. Just like pure black. <laughs> <laughs> it's great fantastic For, yeah you guys are like taking merch to like a whole whole new level <laughs> it's great it, it's fun to play with, with like some different stuff like products because in the past we've always just thought you know t-shirts are the way to go and mm -hmm. we we had a screen printing studio for a couple of years and we're going to start like a uh, streetwear brand. So like that was very much in our wheelhouse. So, like, oh, t-shirts are where we're going to go. I just hit the mic bad. Um, <laughs> t-shirts are where we're going to go. And that's, uh, that's, that's it. That's kind of like what merch is. And then our, over time we're like, Oh wait, we can actually make some more stuff. Like there's access to, you know, making candles and making hooks and matchboxes, and those things can happen. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Kind of fun. Do you guys like like the hooks and such, did you make your own like kind of prototype and then send that out to get it bulk made or? 
So we worked with a company who helped us kind of bring the vision to life. So we didn't make uh, the prototype ourselves, but we kind of had some sketches and some like material ideas and uh, a couple of inspiration photos of like, here's kind of like what we like, here's what we don't like. We know we want it to be walnut. We like this shape. We don't like this type of shape, but we like this other type of shape. And like, here's kind of a sketch and, and what we want. And they were like, okay. And then just came back and they were like, here's a prototype. And we're like, no, we don't like it. We have to change this, this, and this. And then, okay, a couple, couple weeks later, all right, here's a new one. Deadly, it's mm. perfect. Let's let's roll with it. So it's a bit of a process. It's it's fun to have a team that has like access to be able to do all of those things because otherwise mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we'd be able to do it ourselves because we don't really have a lot of connections to uh, manufacturers who can make stuff like that in bulk. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's very beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> all the stuff that you guys make Thank and all so the much. detail that you... The the attention to detail that you have is great. Thank you. Great. It means a lot. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll, I'll ask what gets you motivated? What inspires you? Oh, shit. <laughs> that's, a tough, <laughs> that's, a, that's a bomb. Uh, let's see. What inspires me and gets me motivated? Well, it depends on... <laughs> it, yeah, it, there's a couple of different things depending on where I'm looking for kind of inspiration and motivation. And like the home like renovation decor world the staying at really dope like cabins and airbnbs uh and locations that that's like one source of inspiration that just jazzes my brain right up like <laughs> seeing and feeling uh textiles and different types of wood and finishes in a space and seeing how things come together that's probably like my main thing that that gets me motivated and inspired to do stuff probably because my main passion lies there in home home decor um but then when it comes to like making videos and stuff there's a couple of people I like to watch I know like oh I'm gonna put on this person's video and afterwards I'm just gonna want to go make stuff so mm -hmm. Levi Allen is one of those people I don't know if you've ever watched his channel but he's yes. been putting out some really amazing videos lately um and his Slack Life series was incredible. His Van Life series was incredible. So he's like one of those people. I'm just like, go to his channel. And I'm like, yes, I love this. Let's go. <laughs> um, and of course, Peter McKinnon, like he's everybody's, okay. I feel like, inspiration. But his energy is just the best. Like if I if I feel like shit, I'll just put on one of his videos. And I'm like, oh, I feel I feel like energized just by watching watching him. And I feel yeah. ready, ready to go. Um, <laughs> and I'm blanking on everybody else. There's just, there's so many. There's a... Oh, there's a channel called The Local Project. They're an Australian, um, they're an Australian YouTube channel where they do home tours of these like beautiful modern um, architecturally designed homes. Oh, that one, <laughs> that is just the best. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's so good and it's shot beautifully as well. Oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I used to. Uh, so I went to school for music for like classical flute music. Um, Amazing. And but before that, I actually wanted to do architecture. But nice. then I realized I was terrible at math. Same. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I've talked to some people who are in architecture now or who are architects, but they're like, nah, you don't really need math. So really? apparently that's so interesting because like, I, I feel don't like, really know yeah i feel like 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 you i would have loved to do architecture but everyone said that it was very mathy and, and sciencey and i was like i don't do that like i'm shapes and yeah. colors <laughs> i don't know how to do the math uh, and so i never even pursued it or even thought about it because i got too scared um but that's interesting to know 
Yeah, that's what I've heard. I love we should architecture. Just, let's just switch our career paths right now. Yeah, we'll just <laughs> go into architecture. We'll both go into architecture. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Always, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say architecture is pretty interesting, like on a surface level, like without, well, part of me is like, do I, would I have liked to be an architect or do I just have an interest in architecture? Like the way it looks. Um, yeah. It's so fascinating to learn about all the different eras and then finding those eras in the cities that you visit mm. i'm just like oh yeah like, like in saint john's we didn't have any real art deco stuff but in buffalo there's tons and it's the first time i've seen like art de art deco like buildings in my life like re real and it's like oh i love it so much it just tickles my brain <laughs> in the best way amazing yeah what were you gonna say sorry i didn't mean to cut you off uh no i was just gonna like switch to something else okay <laughs> but but for the, yeah, I went to Buffalo, I was doing like rounds of auditions for grad school and I was in Pittsburgh for one. And then, uh, when I was doing, yeah, cause I was doing an audition at Carnegie Mellon and then university of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And so in Toronto is like right across the border. Yeah. So, uh, we did like a short little trip around Pittsburgh, around Buffalo. Cool. And so I like, I think on a surface level without knowing anything about architecture it's kind of just like not that interesting it's just kind of bland mm -hmm. <laughs> but i guess so that's really cool yeah <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of history actually there is yeah when you look at it and you're just kind of like oh these are a bunch of old ass buildings like yeah. the, you know and then when you really ass, like ass buildings ass buildings <laughs> but then when you really deep down nobody, you're like go sorry. ahead what? sorry <laughs> nobody knows every time like somebody says like that that's a big ass table or something. I always want to say ass like table. ass table because <laughs> I've watched your videos so, too much, <laughs> but nobody around me will ever get that reference. So I, I just it. have to keep it to myself. Yeah. You just have to say it in your head or just like underneath your breath. You're just like, ass table. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh God. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I was going to ask if uh, graphic design was something that you like just always knew you wanted to do. Um, it wasn't actually, uh, when I was in high school, I was kind of being pushed towards the more traditional career paths of, you know, nursing, physiotherapy, you know, that those types of worlds. And I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to go to school for photography. And I remember going to a career fair in like grade 12 and, uh, the university, what is it? OCAD, Ontario, mm -hmm. whatever. Some college, college of art, of and art design. design yeah uh, they had a photography <laughs> program and I that's what I wanted to do but I couldn't afford to go because school's so expensive yes <laughs> and uh so I was like well I can't go to school for photography they don't teach photography in St. John's so my options were basically either uh Memorial University in St. John's which is like their university campus or going to the College of the North Atlantic which is more of like a it's a college so it's more trades-based you get a diploma versus a degree it's usually shorter so yeah I couldn't go for photography so I went to Mun Memorial University and just did like general studies for a little while and hated it. And the whole time I was there, I was like, my camera was in my bag. And I was just like, after this class that I hate, I'm going to go shoot wherever I'm going to go do this, do that. And I realized like, I can't, I can't sit here and go to Mun for like no reason, just get like, you know, a traditional type of, you know, career path or whatever. So I started looking and 
couple of my friends were doing the graphic design program at the college. So I was like, well, that looks fun. And I started looking at the roster of classes and I was like, this looks amazing. There's like a photography <laughs> class in there, but there was like also like more stuff, drawing based stuff and illustrator and layouts and, and all sorts of cool stuff, printing. Uh, so I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So I was like, that's kind of kind of like a good trade off to be able to do something in that world without, you know, being able to go and do photography. And it, I think it actually worked out for the better because I learned so much about production and, you know, the graphic design and branding, but like a lot of the technical side of how to use a lot of the apps like Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, all those things. And then, and like the hands-on stuff too, of like printing, you know, posters and doing like cutting stuff on machines and developing film. So a lot of these like kind of hands-on things kind of fed into the things that we do today with YouTube, you know, having to do thumbnails or like, you know, posters for, for, um, for Instagram, like the multi-post carousels and stuff, like all of that stuff I, I know how to do because I went to school for graphic design. So when I started going to school there, I that passion for design started to grow and kind of take over the way I felt about photography, even though I still love photography at that time. I was like, oh, I want to be a designer. I want to work at a marketing company. And then I want to own a marketing company. And then I worked at a marketing company and then it kind of ruined graphic design for me <laughs> a little bit. So yeah. Oh no. That's awesome. I like how that kind of came full circle. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Everything kind of happens for a reason. You know, it's like you, at, at one point you could be like, oh, I'm really sad that I can't do what I want to do. But there's like other opportunities that get you relatively in the same pathway and could could end up yeah. working out for the better. And I think in this case, it definitely did. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder, though, sometimes what, like what what would have happened had I gone to Toronto? Probably would have been in a lot of debt. But what would have happened if yeah, I went to mood. Toronto and, and did photography and like what it would I have been a photographer would I have switched to something else anyway I don't yeah. know yeah yeah I'm like what if I went into architecture right you could be like a big time architecture you could have been like there's too much math here yeah exactly going into music I I actually I wanted to like math and sciences I took like all the sciences in high school I was really interested in all but I feel like it, I mean, they just didn't like me back. You yeah. Know? It, just, it was a struggle <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I yeah. feel you. It's so, it is interesting. So, like science is very interesting, but there's just some stuff. My brain, it's like my brain is not able to, to grasp some of the stuff. <laughs> I'm just like, and Chris gets it. He's like all math science. Like he's mm -hmm. obsessed with it. And I'm just like, dude, I have no, sometimes he talks about stuff and I'm like, I, it's just in one ear out the other. I, and I can't even get it. So I'm just like, my brain is just not built for that. Yeah. Chris is an interventional radiologist, right? Yeah. That that's just so like completely opposite of what you do. Yeah, it is. It is and it isn't. So there's some similarities. He he originally started in doing videos. Like he was he used to record his BMX videos, and that's how I ended up getting into photography and then afterwards video because he was into it. So all going through med school, he would like you know, try to find ways to use his video background to do projects. But radiology in itself is like imaging of the body. So there's still some like digital imaging aspects to his career that kind of transfer over. So when he was going through school, there were like things that he was learning about how to read like x-rays and, and CTs and stuff <laughs> that like transferred from knowing how to use Photoshop, like concepts from like photography transferred to shooting like x-ray imagery i don't know a lot of the technology i'm not <laughs> overly <laughs> it's too bad he's not here to explain that but yeah so there's there's a little bit of crossover um 
And it's very technical. Interventional radiology does a lot of procedures using like wires and catheters and stuff. Um, but yeah, but then, um, yeah, it's not, it's not arts. It could be, it could be considered an art, some of the stuff that he's doing, but mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it is a bit different for sure. I think it's the closest in the medical field that you could get to what we're doing without the crossing from science to art. <laughs> I, I just remember that you guys did like, didn't you guys kind of help film or like start a YouTube channel for their a clinic? Yeah. Yeah. It was short lived. We did that for a little bit of time. I think we did like 14 vlogs or something like that where, yeah, I went in and filmed like a bunch of their procedures because they wanted to like have a little YouTube channel for their, for the clinic, but it didn't end up working out after. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was cool. Like it was interesting to do that because I'd never seen him, that side of him before. Like we were together for like a, 17 years, I think at this point and I'd never seen that side of him so to be standing there in the procedure room while he's like shoving needles and wires and (laughs) catheters in people's bodies I'm like holy shit like this is insane (laughs) like and and yeah it was just crazy to see that side of him and then you start to get used to it as you're filming but uh, definitely gave me a look into what he does and makes me appreciate it for sure to be able to like actually be there and see it and it's pretty nuts I'd never be able to do it I almost passed out a couple of times and there's oh not for me (laughs) Yeah, no, I would not be able to be be in there either or like be a part of the medical field. I don't think I could do that. Yeah, no. me either. Definitely not. <laughs> Some of the st- stories he tells me, I'm just like, I would die. It's like, yeah, my patient was doing this thing and barfed everywhere. And I was like, nope, nope, mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. not. <laughs> Can't with the bodily functions. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You do a lot of, you kind of wear a lot of different hats um, and- you consider yourself a jack of all trades yeah I always tell Chris I'm a jack of all trades master of literally none (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely dabble in a lot of the things um you know do I do the editing and the filming come up with the ideas right as well as I can which is not very good and then design everything as well so yeah I try to do a lot of stuff and maybe could could do with focusing on on less but I enjoy them all so I think you do them all really well. Thank I feel you. like you're like jack of all trades, master of them all. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it, it, it it's fun. When you're passionate about something, I think it's a bit easier to like, you know, dabble in a lot of stuff. And it's really hard to, to say, okay, I'm going to focus on doing like getting better at video because then something else is calling you and being like, you should design this thing over here. What about this? <laughs> or what about this room that needs to be made over? And you're like, oh yeah, well, I'll do that. And so it's like... <laughs> You know, you're constantly being pulled in these different directions of where your brain is like interested in at, mm-hmm. the, at the certain times. Yeah. But yeah. Keeps it interesting. Yeah. I just personally don't really like the saying of Jack of all trades, master of none, because I feel like I also dabble in a lot of different areas creatively. And, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like saying master of none just feels like you're like mediocre and like just average at everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. I don't, I don't want to just be average. <laughs> I want to be good. It's interesting because I, I guess if you look at master, wait, shit, jack of all trades, it's like, well, if you think of like creativity, like photo video kind of, they're not the same, but they're very similar. And then mm-hmm. design and like art stuff is, it's, it all kind of is encompassing. So if you look at jack of all trades, it's like, well, are you taking into consideration all the other things too, where it's like science and math? Cause I'm definitely not right. I, those are not the trades for me. So maybe, I don't know. 
is it more i don't know i don't know where i'm trying to go with that (laughs) (laughs) master of all trades jack of none jack of none yeah (laughs) 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 all right well um should we do some like patreon questions sure a couple for you so daniel asks uh what is a good versus a bad youtube video uh for me personally or in general uh (laughs) gosh a good versus a bad youtube video for me if i was looking at my videos and saying what turned out to be a good video or a bad video i think a good video for me is a video that i i'm excited about making i feel like i could watch again after it's published and does relatively well bad video for me would be a, a video that I don't want to watch ever again after it's gone, gone live. And even if it does well, if I don't want, if I, I'm not overly interested or I just don't ever want to see that video again, then I feel like that's, that's not great. If I'm looking at a channel, what is a good video and a bad video? A good video would be something that adds value that gets to the point that pays off on its title and thumbnail. Even if that video is like an hour long, if it like, you know, if it works, it works. The bad video would be like, a video that is has a clickbait title and thumbnail and you click on it and it doesn't pay off or it's like the uh, the smallest yeah. portion of the video is about what that is i think that would be that would be what i would consider a, a bad video but that's such a tough question yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're really good at asking um some hard-hitting questions <laughs> some thinkers yeah do you how, yeah how often do you watch your own videos back not or very like, often. once they're out they're out yeah yeah once they're out they're out and i'm just like okay every now and then i'm like oh what is this video about again did i talk about this thing and i'll rewatch i'm like oh this is fun there's some videos where i'm like that i have had to so when i finish a video i'll watch it before like i have to watch it through to make sure it's color graded and everything is okay then i have to watch it through to listen to the audio to edit that then i have to watch it through again to make sure that everything looked okay then i watch it again once it's up on youtube to make sure there's no glitches so by the time the video is done not including all the time you've watched it through the edit you're after watching the finished product like five times so there's some times where i'm just like okay like this video feels fun like it's not painful for me to sit here and re-watch this video again to like put the cards in because once it's on youtube and you put the cards or whatever but there's some times where i'm just like i cannot <laughs> watch this one more time, I will perish. So I'm like, Chris, yeah. can you please just put the cards in this? Because I am going to scream if I have to watch this video again. And those videos are usually the ones that either take a long time. I've had to re-export like 10 times because of mistakes, or maybe I'm just not overly feeling the topic of said video. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't usually watch them again until like times later where I'm just like, oh, is this video relevant to something else that I'm making? And then I'll watch it to remind myself. But uh yeah, sometimes I'm just like, Mm-mm. don't want to watch this video. Do you like export all of your files like final, final one, final two, final, final, this one? Yes. Yeah. I'm bad yeah. for that. I've I've been trying lately to replace them, but then I'm like, is this the one? It doesn't say final, yeah. final, final, <laughs> <Right>. dot M- <laughs> before. Yeah. I'm the same with my music, uh, my song releases. I like, I export it. I listen to it on like all these different speakers then I go back and mix it again. And then it just, I don't feel like you can ever be done, done. At some point, you kind of just got to let it go. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. It's like 
final one, final two, final three, final four, final, final, final. Yeah. And you're just like at the point where there's like three or four finals in the title, it's just send it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fong asks, what was their biggest accomplishment so far or proudest moment? Uh, uh, It's very broad. God. Uh, I don't know, man. can narrow it down to like maybe something in the last year or something. Um, okay. That's, I think the last year would be good. Cause I can't remember. I'm blanking on all of the things I think in the last yeah, year, that's okay. <laughs> something I, there's two things that I feel proud of. Um, one is heading East, the series, um, more so just for being able to, to f- finish it from vision to, to end and be relatively happy with how it turned out. I think that feels like a good accomplishment, um, from last year, uh, I feel happy that I was able to, you know, get my shit together and, and finish a project like that. <laughs> um, cause sometimes I have ideas and they just don't, they don't come out or I'm just like, Oh, that's like a lot of work and just don't do it. Um, and then Chris and I got nominated for a streaming award this year, which was pretty unexpected and Congrats. also really nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. We didn't win, which was like totally fine. It was cool to just be recognized, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of cool. That's awesome. It was nice. Yeah. I was kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can win next year. Next year. Yeah. We'll try next year. And if not, yeah. we'll keep, we'll just keep trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, DJ asks, what are some life defining moments in your past that you wouldn't change even with time travel? Oh, um, I think the whole scenario of how we got to Buffalo I'll try to give a Coles notes uh, for those unfamiliar with the story. But when we moved from St. John's to Vancouver, we were only supposed to be there for one year for Chris's fellowship. And then we were supposed to move back to our home province of Newfoundland to live out the rest of our life in St. John's or surrounding area. And while we were in Vancouver, Chris lost um, his, the contract for his job, which kind of, you know, left us scrambling, trying to find work for him once his fellowship was over. So this is about halfway through, uh, Vancouver and we were pretty devastated because we wanted to go home. Uh, Our whole family is in Newfoundland and it was pretty, it was an emotional time, you know, for a couple of months while we tried to figure out what we were doing. And we ended up, um, well, Chris ended up applying to a bunch of jobs uh, across Canada and the U S or trying to get interviews and got a couple of interviews and he interviewed in Buffalo and then he got offered a job in Vancouver and we ended up coming to Buffalo. And at the time it was super emotional and I wasn't sure I was ready to move here because I didn't know anything about Buffalo and a lot of people were saying negative things about it. And I was really nervous to a move to a new country, but then like, you know, leave behind the idea of, of moving home, just like giving up everything and just saying, okay, we're just, we're going to the U S we're going to this city that we don't know anything about. And even though it was super scary and emotional and there's a lot of like personal uh, stuff, I guess we had to deal with during that time. I wouldn't change that for anything at this point, because I think that everything happens kind of for a reason. And I, I love our life here. And even though I miss my family and being home in in St. John's, the opportunities that are available where we are, are kind of greater than I think if we had been home. So I think that 
even though it was like such a shit time and it was pretty upsetting for, for about a year, um, it all worked out and, uh, wouldn't change, wouldn't change it. Happy to be happy to be in Buffalo. Good. Yeah. You guys, you guys posted a whole video about it, right? Um, yeah. on your YouTube. We did. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole well, video outlining that, that story. <laughs> yeah. Didn't it get covered on CBC? It did. Also? Yeah. Yeah. His contract basically got cut because somebody back home said that uh, he couldn't be dedicated and uh, interventional radiologist and a helicopter pilot at the same time. So basically Chris getting his helicopter license kind of cost him that, but it turned out that there was a lot more behind the scenes of why that happened. And it had nothing to do in fact with, with Chris's helicopter and everything to do with the guy who kind of screwed him mm. over. So yeah, there was a, a big article on CBC about it and, and uh, we made a big video about it. And so all that, if you want to check it out is on our channel. It's I think it's called it, when life gives you lemons. I think that's what the video is called. So that whole, that whole story is there. Nice. I'll link it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, I think that's, that's it for that's all I have cool awesome <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me yeah no problem thanks it's for really asking nice chat. it's great to chat really with nice you. chat with Becky and Chris <laughs> yeah just one person <laughs> I'm Becky and I'm Chris <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> amazing cool cool well thank all you right. so much it was great to chat cool <laughs> well we'll uh talk to you soon and uh, right. enjoy the rest of your day i don't even know what day of the week it is so i was gonna say have a good weekend but i don't think it's saturday sunday friday it's, uh, <laughs> it's monday it's a uh, monday it's the yeah. first day of the week oh god <laughs> oh we, we got a we got a whole week ahead of us got a whole week oh my brain does not work <laughs> <laughs>